You're listening to the Racking Focus Podcast. Welcome to the second episode of the Racking Focus Podcast. My name is Josiah Blizzard. And I'm John Doyle. And we're here today. Uh, we were planning to go see John Wick 3, <laughs> but unfortunately, John Wick 3 opens next week. And so we are going to just have a little conversation. So Josiah, how do you want to proceed today on our, our extra bonus special episode two? We're going to talk about Game of Thrones and what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong, specifically for season eight. Uh, that's, that's what we should talk about. Uh, it's relevant right now. I'm sure you heard of the Starbucks coffee cup incident and some of the other issues with dark screens and things of that nature. So I just wanted to talk to you. Uh, you're an avid book reader, too, so you have a little bit more knowledge than I do about the show and opinions about character development, that sort of thing. Uh, but I wanted to talk to you about Game of Thrones and what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong. Um, and we kind of do a, a pros and cons list of what's happening and maybe kind of see what's going to happen in the next two episodes. Yeah, and I think one of the things that we can really make sure we talk about is the fact that we come from a perspective that would be different than some pop culture person who's talking about it just from that reference. Yeah. So it sounds like a great conversation. So cool. yeah. uh, what, what do you, what do you want to well, start with? Uh, I think let's start with a negative because uh, I think... <laughs> Okay. I think there's more negatives probably right now than there are positives uh, as far as the last two episodes go. Right. Um, so my first negative that people are complaining about, um, and not necessarily just me, I, it's maybe not my issue, because and, and you know this, we watched Battle for Winterfell a little bit late. Right. Uh, I think we missed the streaming by about two hours, and we did not see the darkness that everybody else was complaining about. We actually turned out all the lights. We didn't have any kind of blurry dark screens or anything like that. But you know, before, a lot of people, before anyone thinks we're morons, we we didn't miss it because we're irresponsible. That's we missed true. it because we were at a wedding yes, of a close and, friend. And thankfully not a, a bloody wedding. It right. was a, it was a it was a clean wedding, no one died. Um but yeah, we missed it by two hours, and I think that benefited us because we missed the rush to the stream. Uh, but there's a lot of people complaining about this dark episode. You didn't notice anything, did you, on the screen? Like, it wasn't dark for you? So, no. I mean, I saw some artifacts in a few places on the screen, sure. Um, yeah. But that's part of the compression that's going to happen right. with streaming. But, no, we, we didn't have any problem seeing uh, the yeah, episode at nothing. all. Um, and I think th what I've been telling people is that it's not an issue of... Uh, it's, it's not the cinematographer's fault. There's people blaming the director and the cinematographer. It's the TV settings, I think, from people. I think it's probably the TV settings and uh, the time you watch it. If you're watching at the same time that a million and a half other people are watching, you're probably going to be a little bit disappointed with your streaming quality. Uh, for instance, though, as far as TV settings go, I had to help my dad fix his TV settings at, at in episode one. Right. He, he called me. He's like, dude. I can't see anything on the screen. Uh, and so I FaceTimed him, changed his TV settings from like picture profile vivid to calibrated. And he said it would like completely changed his entire viewing experience for Game of Thrones. He could see the shadows. He could see the highlights better. And so I think as far as like my opinion goes, I think people need to change their TV settings from vivid or standard to cinema or movie or calibrated. Um do you have the same, are those settings on your TV at home? Are they pretty much similar to like movie or cinema or yeah, something? Yeah, so we have those kind of settings on the TV at home. And one of the things you don't want to do is allow the, the television to be in some auto setting where it's adjusting of, of its own accord, right, for itself, you right. know, where it's trying to figure out what lights in your room and whatever, because yeah. that's going to be a disaster completely in that setting. Right. But we're a culture that's accustomed now to our technology working for us. Yeah. Uh, and these guys making this show are not able to think for your TV. Yeah, right. They don't know what you're using. They don't know if you're using Sony or if you're watching on your phone or if you're watching on a Samsung 65 inch, right? Um, it's the same thing with uh, cinema in general. These guys shooting these episodes aren't shooting on um, a red dragon, right? And putting it in auto mode. God, there isn't an auto mode, I don't think, right. on, on red. But if there was, they're not going to use it. They're going to use their full manual controls uh, to get, you know, they don't, they don't let machines think for them. They want to have full control over everything. So change your TV settings right now. Change them to cinema or movie or whatever. Get it off vivid. Right. And if you have a problem changing your TV settings, what you want to do is call someone who you know who knows how to use a television yes. and do it. And not someone who used a television in 1975 because yeah. <laughs> the technology is different yeah. and there's many other capacities that you can get in yep. this TV now that you want to work yep. with. Worst case scenario, just Google it. But it'll change your life. So that's one negative that I've been seeing. Uh, let's maybe switch to a positive. Do you have a positive uh, 
viewpoint on one. Yeah, of the so I'm going to say a strange positive, okay. uh, because I think it's a positive <laughs> that some people see as a negative, and that's the idea of fan service. Uh, uh -huh. It's it's a fascinating thing to me yeah. that people are upset about fan service in the program or <laughs> calling things fan service. We have become so aware of our influence on television, or at least our supposed influence, because right. of the amount of information we can vomit back at the producers. But that information, whether they're looking at it or not, may be inconsequential in their decision making. And some fan service just may be natural progression. Right. And some fan service may be service to them as filmmakers, filmmakers. Yeah. and their own right. service to their own vision, which may be the same as fandom. Yeah. So just because people have said they can't wait till Jamie and Brienne have sex, spoilers for the current episode, you know, or um, yeah. they just desperately don't want Tormund to die. Right. Just because people have said that doesn't mean when that doesn't happen, they have committed some act of fan service. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm all for fan service. Uh, and like you said, I, I so I kind of just I kind of just roll with the punches like whatever happens like I have no control over their filmmaking process i have no control at all i can only hope that what they do will make me happy as a viewer uh and they kind of have to throw some fan service in there i think because there's also times where they go the complete opposite direction they make you super disappointed in the choices that they're making so the fan service with jamie and brian getting together awesome fan service with i mean i would even say Arya killing the night king is 100 fan service like that's something that so many people predicted to happen uh, it was, it was fun to watch. It it came out of nowhere and it it, it was rewarding. Um, so that I would say that's a fan service in in a small way. Um, but yeah, they they have to do it, uh, or else they're gonna disappoint a ton of people and their ratings are probably gonna drop. Yeah, and the the weight on those guys from yeah. HBO is yeah. a killer, right? Yeah. Like there can be no question that they feel a tremendous amount of pressure to retain viewers and to retain viewers now into a sequels right into right. prequels or right. you know continuation well, and retain viewers and keep it on a positive note because i mean you think about the show lost for instance right lost was it had it was like this is an awesome show this is great this is great and then all of a sudden it just plummets and now lost is kind of like well they 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 botched it. They, they they messed the whole thing up at the end. Like, what, what are they doing? So I think there's, like you said, so much pressure on uh, the, the showrunners that they they just they want to make sure people are happy with the show and they're ending on a on a solid note, even though there might be things that happen uh, that disappoint the viewers in a way. And the only thing that I ever really worry about in relationship to that idea is uh, whether or not the characters are acting well outside of their natural character arc um yeah. and we actually see characters that events that aren't fan service in the show where we right. see much more character disassociation than we do in those moments when uh people are doing things that may be called fan service jamie and brian are mm -hmm. going to end up together in some way right. uh you know whether or not the way the fact that they have sex or not is what that end should be yeah the fact that that relationship consummates is a, is a natural development for both of them right, right. Uh, maybe daenerys being a bad leader is not a natural uh, arc for her and i'm yeah. much more concerned about when a character acts outside of its reasonable character development than i am about some moment that well, is i would certain. say then that's an that's a negative right that's that's definitely something we we just transitioned into a negative thing because yeah. i think there is definitely uh things that are happening that that care choices characters are making that aren't the choices they would normally make um i think that you know look at I mean, look at John. I think John is making some choices, and specifically the big one here is like, why are you saying? Why are you saying you're not saying goodbye to ghost? Why are you not saying goodbye to ghost? Um, why are you just? I don't like. There's just things that John's doing. I can't even think of specifics right off the bat. Maybe it's deciding to go south, not keeping a secret, not keeping a secret. Right. That's the most honorable thing, right? Well, and the, and then it transfers over to Sansa again, not keeping that secret. Um, I think that. Sansa's maybe changed a little bit as a character because I you've never seen Sansa a little bit as like uh, honorable Ned Stark. John is definitely that like it's surprising they're actually not father right. son, uh, but Sansa's never been like honorable Sansa. Uh, so the fact that she's now playing Littlefinger's game, it's almost like she's not even a Stark anymore. So maybe 
maybe the choice to tell Tyrion isn't too big of a deal, but she's still a Stark, and Starks by nature, I feel like, are just honorable mm-hmm. people. She swore on the secret. She's not going to tell. Two seconds later, she's telling. She's telling. Well, and Varys turning his back on Daenerys, who who right. he has been ultimately right. working for for so long. Yeah, he took Tyrion all the way across the Narrow Sea just to get to her, to back her, and then all of a sudden he's changing his mind. Yeah, super super weird. Um, yeah, so those the, those moments are moments where that's a discontinuity that's difficult for me to get through. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't really care that you know if we're going to see Arya get to have sex, like great, yeah, right? Uh, yeah. Um, you know those moments um uh, are, are much less disturbing to me. And that's, I mean, that comes with in the writing room, right? So that's if we're going to break that down to the behind the scenes filmmaking aspect, that's that's just poor writing. Um. And I don't know who's writing those episodes specifically. It might be. Well, our showrunners have written showrunners. a of this material, um, right? I feel like any time that Brian Cogman is writing an episode, I feel like I can relax. Because he what did he write? Uh, he wrote episode two of yep. this season, and that was so good. Uh, so every time Brian Cogman's writing, I can kind of rest easy that there's no weird out-of-character moments. Um, so anyway, that's a, that's a good negative, just people not making the choices i feel like they should be making as characters based on how you've set them up right um a positive god it's so much easier to think of negatives for well, this, yeah, this sure. show uh let's let's think about um uh, let's let okay so a positive for me i guess would be uh, they're doing a little bit uh okay okay how do i phrase this uh there's full there's full arcs that are closing right and i really enjoy that um and they're even doing a lot of callbacks to season one for instance in this last episode the entire feast that's right. happening in this, in this past episode after after they burned all the dead uh is a straight callback yeah to that might have been the first episode mm-hmm. um and all i could think about was john actually sitting down on the floor near the door uh, like just not as the at, at the lord's table uh and it's still kind of it's a way more joyous occasion in episode one than it is now. Like the tables have completely turned. Um, but a, a callback to season one like that and seeing that come full circle for John and and full circle in a way for Winterfell as a whole. Uh, but even seeing like Brienne get knighted and Podrick and Tyrion finally get to to chat a little bit. Uh, things like that. Like, I love seeing that. Um, do you feel yeah, the same completion way? completion of the arcs. Yeah, yeah, I think it's great. You know, there's issues with that, which I'll talk about later. But yeah. there, but I think those arcs, are, you know, completing the arcs are really exciting. Watching the culmination of something we've seen planted well early yeah. is what really matters. Yeah. You know, one of the things I think is interesting about that feast is that that feast has the same secret sitting behind it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Kat and Ned don't, have the same information about John. Right. And in this moment, these characters don't have the same information. So John is forced to sit by the door because people think he's a bastard. Right. And now he's sitting at the throne of the North yeah. and they don't know that he's a Targaryen. Mm-hmm. You know, in both cases, there's this really interesting yeah. parallel. And so it's great to have that throwback. And ultimately, uh, Daenerys sits in the Catelyn seat, which is an uncomfortable place to be. And she has issues with John. Like there's all this really yeah, interesting yeah. stuff happening there. Um, and it's, I, th- I thought beautifully rendered and well done. And, you know, individually those moments between many of those characters were great that you can quibble some with whatever may have happened between, you know, Sansa and the hound or whatever that maybe bothers some or whatever. But, for the most part, I thought there was some real cleverness going on yeah. in that. Um, and I like those echoes. And, you know, for me, one of the most exciting things is planting and payoff. Like, it's one of my favorite film yeah. things. And so I love when there can be something planted early. I don't think those guys are planting and paying this off. I just think they're taking advantage of well-seeded action. Right. Um, and As, stuff as that, in, like, they're looking back at previous episodes and saying, what have we kind of... What have we seeded here and there that we can 
bring full circle. Is that yeah, what you're saying? yeah, and we know that you know they knew what, what the, I mean, the reason why Martin gives them this script to mm -hmm. do or this text to work, why he gives permission, right. is because they know the answer, right, of John's parentage, yeah. and that's sort of the thing that opens the door for them. Well, that means he may have planted that scene to allow us at some later time to experience this parallel because he's yeah. so complex in his writing. Yeah. Um, you know, you know that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, I mean, his books are huge and he just goes on and on in detail. And I mean, I've thought multiple times, how in the world is this guy mapping out his story? It, it doesn't seem like it, it I can't, I, I have no idea how he's doing it. Like there's gotta be some crazy flow chart somewhere uh, for each character, but yeah, it's an, it's an, it's intense. And, uh, that's, I guess in a way I, I, f I feel like I've seen the show as they've diverted from his book content right. from the source material the show has gotten weaker and weaker um would you agree on that i, I think the show has had many many more problems so there's some been some great highs mm -hmm. but i think there is this undercurrent of sort of uh, the ship is not sailing smoothly yeah. the, right or maybe, would you say it's being shot through with scorpion arrows? Uh, perhaps yeah, yeah just out of maybe nowhere want, scorpion yeah. <laughs> arrows um and certainly like i feel like the ground just isn't stable right. underneath the show and so we get an episode like episode two where things are like hitting every moment mm -hmm. and we get an episode like episode four where there's moments where it hits and moments that seem so wrong yeah and then we get a giant episode in episode three right. that misses the mark with character right. and, and understands spectacle. And so it feels like there's not cohesion, yeah, which they had from a pre-written text that's so detailed and specific. Right. So something I think that something that bothered me at the end of season season two, episode two, leading into episode three was that they stopped the episode before the fight began. And I feel like they, they should have gone on for another maybe 15 minutes. Uh, I think they should have started the fight and everything should have played out ex up until the tidal wave of zombies. And it should have cut, or should, should have slammed to black as the tidal wave of zombies hit the Unsullied and the, and the uh, infantry troops, right? Yeah. And that's, that should have been where the episode stopped. Uh, that's cutting out some time from episode three. Uh, it means they bring that down to about an hour of time. They don't have to worry about um battle fatigue for the viewers uh as as much i guess it's still an hour of time right but uh I, and then you you can start with a little bit of a jump cut of the forces pulled back maybe to the wall you don't have to see everything linearly how it happened you don't have to see uh, i mean you still have to show the characters deaths you know who are who are going to die but uh, maybe they're dying in a different a little bit of a different way uh, and then you have a little bit more time to a little more breathing room. If you still wanted to go an hour 20 on Battle of Winterfell, you can you can do that. You can give a little bit more breathing room if you want to. Uh, but I think that the biggest reason, uh, the biggest issue for them cutting uh, those two episodes in half, right? And stopping before the battle happened in season in episode two is we we had so much comedic relief in episode two. We had so many humorous moments and personal and deep moments with the characters that you completely forget about it the following week. And so it doesn't mean as much to you. At least it didn't mean as much to me. Yeah. I kept waiting to get interrupted by a horn blast three times, uh, multiple times in episode two, and it never happened. So I would have liked to have the comedic relief kind of flow into uh, the battle episode a little bit easier. It, it just felt uh, kind of disjointed in a way for me. Um, yeah, and you know, that idea of keeping things, the stakes really high is what yeah. they're thinking about. And that certainly works. And they, they were trying to play this idea of multiple film styles, right? So they're right. trying to do horror and action and whatever right, all right. through the, the, the 80 minutes of, yeah. of the work. And one of the things that happens is we don't see that kind of entertainment anywhere. Yeah. Like when we watch, like the worst case scenario, uh, a movie like predator or something where it's essentially like wall-to-wall -wall violence right. still has a big setup we're not used to the i mean end game for goodness sake the no matter the last battle could be an hour long but it's not right. 80 minutes no and that's a long time to experience especially so many characters uh the risk to their lives so right. many characters outcomes and we care about a lot of these people and we want to know what's happening to them and then people had problems seeing and so then it makes it completely <laughs> yeah, chaotic no whereas for, i think yeah. for me i didn't have all of that same experience mm -hmm. and when i watched it 
I asked some questions about problematic timing or whatever may have been there. Yeah. But in a, a rewatch and in afterthought, so many things break down. And, and this is actually, so um, you talked about this positive. I'm going to pull to a negative really yeah, seriously and talk about pacing mm -hmm. uh, and speed. So uh, there are two television shows I want to reference, and then I'm going to go to, to uh, Game of Thrones. The first is Farscape, which probably three quarters of the people out there watching have no <laughs> idea what it is. This spectacular show that uh, your wife, my daughter, Stephanie, and I yeah. watched regularly. Um, fantastic um, science fiction series that Sci-Fi Channel had running. And when they got to their third season, they were renewed for a fourth and fifth season. And at the end of the fourth season, a as they were finishing shooting, like the wrap of their shooting, they were told the fifth season was canceled. And they ended on a cliffhanger. They had another season. Right. They were going to arc their way through to sort of almost the end of the story in the fifth season. Yeah. But they were canceled. Gotcha. A huge public outcry and a movie gets made. They yeah. give in and they let them make a movie. And so right. they put the entire fifth season into a two-hour television They just movie. condensed it all down. They condensed the whole thing down. They stripped the bottle episodes and they put the major arc stories. And right. it moves so quickly. Yeah. And if it wasn't for the fact that I love Farscape, I would have been breathless, impossible. And there's yeah. a major death at the end of it, which I won't give away because I know no one's watched Farscape, so I'm not going to spoil it. And that major death is heartbreaking, and yet yeah. it moves so quickly through it. They introduce characters that you know would have been important in a season, but they're oh, they need to be there to get through this right. arc. You know, the same thing happens. You gonna see Firefly? Is that what with you're... Firefly? Yeah, Firefly is yeah. the same thing happen. At the end, they get canceled, right. and they condense the entire next season into the movie Serenity. Yeah. Uh, but Whedon's a better filmmaker in some ways, and he right. has the scope of film, and so he strips all of the bottle episode stuff out, mm -hmm. and he builds a single-story arc that still feels a little bit rushed. Mm -hmm. uh, the same thing happens with Newsroom on HBO, which right. is like appropriately matched to this, yeah. where they fit two seasons into one because they're just not going to make they're it through time. their run. Yeah. Right. And so they cheat characters, characters disappear, whatever. That's what's happening here. Yeah. I think that one of the problems is you, a longer episode isn't helpful. You right. need enough episodes. Yeah, I, I was talking to my friend Alec about this yesterday. I said there needs to be probably four to six more episodes in this season for it to to work and and not an hour and 20 minute long episodes like just one hour episodes four to six more and then you don't have to rush like and we were talking about this before we started recording a little bit was that all of the problems stem from lack of time for the showrunners they know they only have so many episodes greenlit and they can only do that many so they have to they have to cram uh and then you have those character choices that are out of character you have you have sloppy writing and you have things like Rhaegal getting shot down from out of nowhere uh in a senseless way yeah right? in, in, in a completely senseless way like Danny 100% would have seen those ships on the horizon uh if they can see her she can sh she can see them uh if they can see her and aim and aim yeah right 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 yeah they, they don't just miss shooting blindly no they no three hard shots Gosh, yeah, and it was—I know what it, it was shocking to the viewer. Um, I mean, Steph gasped and said, "Oh my god, oh my god, I can't watch." Oh, and it's um, so violent. It was really so violent. violent. Yeah, it was really bad. It was the next shot. It was that third yeah. shot. Uh, really killed it. It was the, it was the nail in the coffin, right? But, uh, yeah, it's it that all stems from rushing, and it's just they're making choices that are just. Like, I don't know why they're making these choices, but it has to do with the... Well, and they have to make the choices. Yeah. What ends up happening is like, we, we say we don't know why because we don't know why they would. Right. But on the other hand, we do know why. And it's because it's about time. Yeah. And it's not about time in... When you extend an episode by 20 minutes, you don't gain 20 minutes. Right. Because you arc the episode to its story. Right. Not to its time. Right. So like that battle episode, if it had been an hour we would have had 20 extra minutes, right? Yeah, right. But, but the 20 extra minute was going to be filled with battle in that episode no matter what. Yeah. But if we took the 20 minutes from three episodes, we get another piece where we can we arc a whole for story. For a whole story. For a yeah. whole story. And, you know, we've lost, for all practical purposes, seven hours of material mm -hmm. over these two seasons being cut down, right? right? And But the, you don't gain that back by minutes at the end of a show. Their bonus time. That's time mm -hmm. to extend. It's one of the Battlestar Galactica things, I'll say. Like, Battlestar Galactica makes its series, and 
they had episodes they needed to run long and they cut them down. Right. But they kept the arc of the episode within that time frame. And, right. Uh, and we and we see episodes that go long. Uh, you know, Walking Dead does that, where they run a long episode or something yeah. runs over. HBO does it, where something runs over. They let them have that extra time. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it in Game of Thrones before. They've gone for an hour 10, right. you know, hour 15 before. But but it was extra time in the arc yep, of the episode, episode instead of the episode being crafted around right. 80 minutes. And yeah. it's a different right, story. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't help the arc of the story as a whole. It's just for that that time in that in that episode yeah you're right um we're gonna re-record in a okay. second because these cameras are gonna shut off okay good so, so why don't we just take a break we're gonna pause and we'll be yeah. right back you're listening to the racking focus podcast and we're back so um <laughs> yeah the timer's rolling again we know what we've got uh the video portion of this makes this very different yeah, than the audio yeah. portion so you have to put up with the weird stops uh so a positive from me uh and that is music straight up hands down the music in that's not where i thought you were going I, uh, <laughs> this music in the series is extraordinary yeah and the music in these season eight episodes yeah has been consistently brilliant uh, over and over again, I am. I have a desire to listen to the soundtrack, hmm. like in, in the car and your way. To like work? I just want to hear the music yeah. from it, uh, and it is so supportive of the action, yeah. and without being intrusive. Well, that's funny you say that because I I don't notice the music, and that's that's uh, a testament to I don't know is I can't pronounce his name Raman Juwadi or whatever right. whatever his it's name good is. enough. It's close. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, he's brilliant. I, I mean, the soundtrack, the score throughout the entire series has been has been incredible. I mean, there's a reason that people dun, 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 dun. you can just you can well, yeah, hum it to yourself. Right. One you of know? the greatest theme songs of yeah, any of television time. show. Yeah. And yet individually there are there's piece after piece and I don't just mm -hmm. mean like the big high pieces no, like yeah, where the killing of the Night King or right. the sept explosion right. piece that that opening piece that was it called the uh, i don't remember the name of it but the you know the those individual pieces mm -hmm. but like throughout the music really does support and yet live as art yeah and that's amazing to me yeah no i agree with that and uh even not even just the score but also the uh taking george's uh words and song lyrics that are in the book and translating them into music um, you know, Podrick's song and the song that we have Ed Sheeran sing for a little uh, bit. Yes, like, indeed. Um, and the Reigns of Castamere. Reigns of Castamere, right? obviously. Like, Which is a, not one of those pieces that sits, the music the sits music. in your head. And it, I mean, you hear it and your stomach drops. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so for somebody to transfer lyrics on a page to uh, the screen and write music to it and actually create something that feels like it should be in that world uh, is is just a testament to how how great of a musician and composer and songwriter uh ramen ramen raymond ramen i don't know well, well and more importantly not more importantly but equally important yeah. the fact that he's been given the freedom artistically yeah. to do that and that the show understands how to integrate that right that to me is really cr critical that yeah. they're not letting that music be lost they're letting that be part of the active production of the piece yeah Right. Great. Yeah, they give him free free control, free reign to do whatever he wants to do. For the most part, I'm sure there's things they tell him, hey, maybe change this to that. But um, yeah, I, yeah, the music is great. The music is great in the show. Uh, you said I was going to be able to dump into something based off of that topic, and I can't think of anything so, so to dump into. So what I want to ask you yeah. is, what were you thinking I was going to say? Um, I thought you were going to go to Miss Sunday. Really? I did. Well, go ahead. Um, tell me what you thought I was going to say, and then I'll it, Well, I So, so Miss Sunday's uh, death... Uh, there's mixed reaction right to um i have on my death pool on my dead in my and the dead pool I've, i'm in is i have her dying flat out she's dead didn't have her dying the way she did die right i think um that is the way she probably had to die to get the reaction out of gray worm and danny that they wanted the viewers to have again i think it's rushed um, I think you could have kidnapped Masande and it would have been fine um, if we had more time. Um, I also think her death in a different way would have been fine at the hands of the mountain or at uh, Cersei or Euron, something like that. Um, 
So from a pro perspective, a positive perspective, I think what they did there was good to advance the story. However, uh, oh, and along with that, I know. Okay, so there's a lot of reaction of like, okay, you put you put the once enslaved black woman back in chains and then cut her head off. Um, and Westeros is a world of just, it's just white people. Like it's just, it's just white people, Caucasians. There's no Asians. There's no African-Americans. The closest thing you have to diversity is Dorn and they more so represent Caucasian Spaniards. Right. Um, there's really nothing else. Everybody who is of diverse culture is over in Essos or on the Isle of North where right. Missandei's from. Right. So, um, I, yeah, so there's a little bit of controversy, right? Of, uh, we put the only, or the one of two African Americans on the show back in chains and then killed her right in front of everybody. Uh, do you find that is an issue or do you think like the way they, uh, the way they're advancing the story is okay? Cause uh, from my perspective, I don't think putting anybody else up there would have caused the same reaction for characters. I think so. The key, the, uh, the way I look at it is this. Mm. It's about um, who's making the soup is uh, how I decide whether or not it's seasoned well. Okay, so like the writers in the room. If, yeah, if, we, had so, a, if we had an African-American so or a female had, writer had, in the we room. We had black writers and female writers in that room. Uh -huh. I'd feel very different right. about that. Um, in the same way, I feel, would feel very different about you know the, the idea of Sansa and the Hound right. deciding that her abuse made her stronger. Right. It's very different for that to be said when you have people who understand that situation yeah. in the writing room. Right. Um, uh, you know, we have, there is a political component to everything mm -hmm. that we have to acknowledge. Uh, I actually, um, I see their color on the screen and the fact that they, there are few people of color on the screen, you know, and we have ultimately killed all the direwolves who are colored right we have a, right, right. all we, we have, have white, left we is a white, white direwolf. direwolf yeah like it's a it's a pretty yeah. white world there yeah um and that's that's problematic right? right but it's also the way that world is unless we really look at martin's work mm -hmm. where there's far more diversity in is that. there okay yeah. cool. Yeah. there's far more diversity in yeah. westeros and some of those characters have disappeared because we've been cropping people around now they mm -hmm. did add some diversity into it you know we have uh, Hota down in Dorne, who is black in right. the show and right. is not in the book, and all, all you know that that stuff's there. It's it is disturbing that that's the choice. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure whether or not we need what what the outcome of Grey Worm's relationship is because the for me the interesting arc for Grey Worm is what pain comes from love, mm -hmm. not revenge desire. Yeah, you follow me. Yeah, so, like, I, right. I, I need now the time we're not going to get to see what it means to a guy who, you know, he's a eunuch, right? Like, he's had his sexuality removed, yeah, and that made him a great warrior, supposedly. Right. And then he regains his sexuality in some way, whatever between whatever, them, right? Yeah. That ends up becoming romantic, right? And now that's been taken away. In my head, I don't want to see him full of revenge. I want to know what it means to have to return right. to the empty place, and, right. and if that empty place is better or worse. That's an interesting story to me. Yeah, and so I think Masende's death is viable. I just hope they don't throw it out because it's become an expedient choice. You know that they're going to though. I know. <laughs> like, but, like that's the that's the hard part. Is like. Like, you know, Danny's going to do something stupid in the next episode. And this might be a good time to transition into what do you think is going to happen in, yeah, the, sure. in the final two episodes. I think we could probably go back and forth on positives and negatives on yeah, the show sure, for sure, forever. Sure. But um, discussing for the next couple of minutes, yeah. where do you think where do you think this is going to go based on the way they're leading us to think? And they might totally throw us for a loop. Um, I'm going to talk about Star Wars for just a second. Good. And, uh, Great. So there's been a lot of like in, in this most recent trilogy of like, who is Snoke? We don't know who Snoke is. Uh, why aren't you giving us any information? No, he died. Spoilers. He does die. It's been out for a year, so you should have watched it by now. Um, he dies in uh, episode eight. Uh, and we don't learn anything about his past, anything like that. Like, yeah, whatever. People were complaining about we didn't get enough of him in Force Awakens. And my one thought, and again, I was talking to my friend Alec about it, and 
we were both saying like, well, you didn't know who Emperor Palpatine was in uh, episode four, you know, in, in A New Hope. Um, you hardly knew who he was still in Empire. Right. You only really find out who he is in Return of the Jedi. So I don't know. I say all that because I, I don't know what they're going to do in the next two episodes. If they're leading us to think one way and they're going to totally flip us the other way uh, for for episodes five and six. Um, Danny might not do something stupid. She might act. This might be the one thing that screws her head on uh, to her shoulders and makes her actually think about what she's doing before she does it rather than dismissing Senza's uh, need for rest. You know, if she did just listen to Senza and take one week, her dragon probably wouldn't have gotten shot down in the sky, right? Like, so it's it's thinking about like, well, where is this going to go? And are they leading us to think one way and they're going to do something else, which they've done many times before? Mm -hmm. um, Or are they really just going to let this play out how we're thinking it's going to happen, you know? Yeah, it's an interesting thing to try and imagine what's going to happen in what amounts to you know, about three hours worth of television right. time, right? And we have we they have done an adequate job, although not a job we may be pleased with, of stripping down characters. So we've gotten rid of Tormund. We don't have to worry about him anymore. Yeah. He's off the table. Yeah. At least it appears to be off the table. Right. And Ghost as well. And so there's they there's a story for them somewhere else that we don't need to worry about. Right. But for our main characters, they have things they need to do. And we know that the end game has to be the Cersei and throne issue right like that's our end game and there's each of our characters is aimed there somehow right and i'm not sure how it's going to play out but it looks like the cocaines are going to go at it yes he he did reference like there's only one thing that can make me happy he said that in the last yeah and it sure feels like that's it's got to be killing his brother it's got to be it has to be it um, there's only thing left for him, right? Yeah. Um, and that means we, he probably doesn't get out alive of that, right? Like this. I was just going to ask, like, what do you th- like? What do you think the outcome is going to be from the Hound? Do you think he, he's going to die with the Mountain? Do you think they're both just going to take each other out? Yeah, I think the Hound living is a really cool choice. Uh-huh. I don't think it's a choice that's going to be made, and yeah. I think that pro- I, I would not be surprised if we see a re envisioning of the uh, the the previous sort of murder right our dornish death right, right. that we where where the hound has ended up losing and instead of in that losing moment his head gets crushed in that losing moment he does the thing that that kills the uh that, that kills the mountain and mm-hmm. you know the mountain is our last zombie right yeah like right, he's yeah. our last yeah, zombie. for all intents and purposes he is a, he is a zombie he's yeah. been brought back to life yeah and, and there's this thing about that that uh needs to be addressed right. and so we'll see what happens who knows if a sword's going to kill him like yeah. we don't even know what that case is and i think we're going to see Arya do some faceless thing i think there's no I think doubt there has to be there's going to be a uh, it'll be disappointing moment. if there's no faceless moment i could see her uh, i mean cersei's on her list is there anybody else alive that's on her list? I don't. Is the mountain on her list? The I be, I believe the mountains on her list. I don't I don't remember the list clearly enough because we haven't heard it in right. She, season hasn't, and she a half. hasn't repeated it. In four um, years, right? Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah. I th- well, I think. Uh, I mean, if she's clearly going down to King's Landing to kill Cersei, like she's straight out said it. Um, if she, if anybody's going to get in the castle alone, it's going to be her. Uh, and it's going to be wearing a Lannister outfit um, in some way, or it's going to be it's going to be killing Kyburn and yeah. wearing Kyburn's face. Or it's like, going to be Littlefinger, right? Right. Nobody. Uh, yeah. Like who knows who's who's dead? Right. Who knows from right. the north who's dead? I mean, we who knows? But I mean, everybody saw that. But who knows? Right. Maybe they don't because some of these rules don't apply. Yeah. Right. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know <laughs> what they don't know. Uh, so. Yeah, I think there there has to be a faceless moment. Uh, it'll be disappointing because that's one of the things that they've seeded along the way. And if she doesn't use it for the final act of the show, it seems, well, what the heck did she do over in Bravos for two seasons? You know? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, it has to happen. Um, yeah, so uh, the way they're leading me to think what's going to happen in the next episode, and you can tell what's going to happen based off of the directors for the show, right? We have Sapochnik doing right. five. You know there's going to be a battle. You know, we're going to see some Golden Company versus John and Danny in the Unsullied. I don't know. If whoever it's gonna, is left. I have like, no idea who's left. I don't know how many Knights of the Veil vale are still here. I don't know how many Dothraki. I was surprised there were even Dothraki left. Uh, but there are. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be on land, if it's going to be on on sea. I don't know. I can't imagine it's going to be by boat because Euron just destroyed half their fleet. 
Well, and, and we in the uh, golden company, it's not interesting on a boat. No, they're interesting on the ground, right? Without elephants, they're still interesting. Right. Um, with elephants, I'm sure it would have been even more interesting. And I'm not bitter either, but well, we wouldn't have had ghosts if there we were elephants. Have had ghosts. Well, they got rid like, of ghosts. Ghosts so wouldn't it's... have even appeared, right? Even yeah. though, yeah. for all practical purposes, he was a normal-sized <laughs> animal. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He keeps changing sizes, he keeps yeah. shrinking. Yep, uh, <laughs> he's just awful. a big dog now. Um, anyway, I think the way they're leading me to think is. Uh, Danny's gonna just start burning stuff. Um, there's, he's, she's just gonna start burning things down. Uh, we don't want Grey Worm to go the revenge route, but I imagine he's gonna go the revenge. I would not be surprised if Grey Worm, uh, at the very end of Clegane Bowl, steps in and gives a, a weakening blow to the mountain that allows, uh, you know, the Hound to kind of finish him off. I think that would maybe be a little bit cheap, but I kind of hope they don't do it. But I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Um, but yeah, I think she's going to start burning. Um, I really think she is. They're really leading us to think that she's going to be a mad queen. Uh, I don't know if that's what's going to happen, but that's the way they're making me think. One of the things I've thought about, and, and I'm going to throw this out, is uh, there's two things I want to say, I guess. Mm -hmm. One is um, that uh, I, I always think of Arya and the Hound as Rocket and Groot. Uh, they remind yeah. me of Rocket and Groot. Yeah. And I can see that final battle being a moment where the hound and Arya end up taking out the mountain and in the yeah. last moment as she said she would do will you leave me to die the hound asks and she says yes yeah. she gets an opportunity at cersei and she goes for it and the hound gets and, killed and leaves him to die yeah. uh, and i could see that the other the thing that I, would be very satisfying i think i, th I think it'd be that would be very yeah. satisfying yeah that would be cool uh go ahead and the other, and completely in another like thing for the future. So one of the things I think people miss about this whole story is the title, right? So it's Song of Ice and Fire, right. and everyone thinks it's Danny and John, and I don't no, believe it's that. just John. It's just John. Yeah. It's his story. Yeah. And if it's just his story, that means the throne has to be his at the end, or I think the throne, the has... tragedy of the throne, has to be his yeah. at the end. It has to be his choice for the throne at right. the end. It's, uh, it, it is his song. It's his story. Yeah. And what he chooses to do is where the story ends. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. Uh, I, I, like, I haven't read all the books. I've only heard the theory. I think, I think I watched season one to three in college. And I then heard the R plus L equals J theory right. wasn't confirmed. And then I read the first book and it was like, well, that 100%. <laughs> Of course, it's of course that's what it is, uh, and it was at that moment when I learned of his lineage that I was like, "Oh, the Song of Ice and Fire is one hundred percent John. He's Targaryen Stark, so it only makes sense for this to begin with John, as it did um, as the underdog, almost in a literal sense, uh, with Ghost being the runt of the litter and yep. representing yep. him, uh, the underdog of the entire show, rising to." become the potentially the most powerful person in Westeros and just as a overall theme saying that it doesn't matter your status how small you are we've learned from Tyrion all all dwarves are bastards in their father's eyes um and he has obviously come in this in a similar arc to John but as a theme you know it doesn't matter how how small uh how down and out people think you are like you can still do huge things and um, lead people to to great successes and uh, and just be a great person in general. Like John is the most honorable person in the show. Now that's Ned. Ned's been gone for nine seasons or seven seasons, however long Ned's been gone for. Um, so yeah, like I think it's going to end with him either choosing the throne or denying the throne or dying for the throne right. or for the realm like and making some other decision right. that creates a new system or whatever it may be that he yeah. does yeah you know the uh, you you talk about him being on this journey and it's this it's it's this crazy luke skywalker journey yeah right you know it's the hero's journey in some way it's just so well masked that mm -hmm. the thing that martin understands is you need you can't just do that story it's been yeah. told too many it's been times told too many times yeah because one of the complaints about ray and the new trilogy is right. it's just, the, same just the same story, story. Right. but john's covering the same ground mm -hmm. the difference for me is that that ground is covered through a different kind of darkness and through a world around it mm -hmm. that isn't about his development Yes. He's developing within the world, but it's not about right. his development. Right. And I mean, you have, I mean, I know in the hero's journey, there's always that mentor figure. To me, that mentor figure was G.R. Mormon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and his death sealed that, you know, there always has to be that death. It's, 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 uh, 
Gandalf's death mm-hmm. in Lord of the Rings for Frodo. It's uh, Obi-Wan's death in New Hope. And it's um, Dumbledore's death in, in Harry Potter. Right. Uh, it, there always has to be that death of the mentor. And uh, yeah, he got that with G.R. Mormont. And that's what you know, led him to become Lord Commander. So uh, yeah, I think, I think it's interesting, though. Um, I don't see the... I don't I don't see the whole series ending with an Iron Throne. Um, I think it ends with his choice for the throne, but I I, I think he's going to push it more towards um, a council or um, a group of people who are going to rule over Westeros collectively rather than a monarch being like a dictatorship, you know? Um, I think that they have reference to that too uh, because Danny witnessed it in Karth, I believe. They right. had the 13, mm-hmm. I believe, right? And then they were all killed by blue-lipped warlocks so that kind of was weird he probably shouldn't have been on the council in the first place he had blue lips and he was a warlock get him yeah. out get him out of here uh but yeah i think it's i think that's my prediction on there's going to be no iron throne we've seen the prophecy or the vision that danny had in that tower of her walking through the throne room and it's ashes i thought it was snow when i first thought when right. i first saw it but I think it's now ashes. i now i believe yeah. it's ashes uh which again makes me feel like she's just going to start burning things uh burning the entire place down. There's going to be no red keep left. Uh, don't know how she's going to do it because there's a lot of scorpions sitting on the wall. So I don't know yeah, what the, the battle strategy is. There's but a if lot it's, of scorpions there's, on the wall. And, okay, can we go back to a negative for a second? Sure. Um, we have six minutes. We're going to do this. It's, it's good. And I have one more thing we'll okay, do cool. aside from this. So cool. go ahead. Uh, okay, so Cersei sends Bronn to go kill Tyrion <laughs> and right. Jaime. And then Tyrion just shows up at her doorstep. And she doesn't shoot him, and she also doesn't just destroy the twenty unsullied and Danny and uh, who else was out there with her, Grey Worm. Right. And she doesn't shoot the dragon. I feel like it would have been very much Cersei's character to just obliterate all of those people. Do you agree? With yeah. That? Well, and it wasn't like she had one crossbow. No, she like there was like six of them sitting up there. And they're gigantic. Yeah. And and it seems like she could have done a lot of damage. I mean, they did a lot of damage to the boats. boats. Yeah. So yeah, no, I agree with you there. And I would say that there is a preponderance of crossbows currently in this show. <laughs> and it may be more crossbows than we can stand. I yeah. you know, Braun has a crossbow. There's yeah. crossbows on the battlements. There's crossbows on the boats. Is there I, is there symbolism with crossbows? I don't in some know. Way? I don't know. I, I I can't think of it. If I do, we'll bonus that somewhere yeah. along the way I, I can't think of it at all and, but and i say that it takes a long time to load a crossbow yeah um right, and right. that's that's a thing but but it's also i mean they're just they're everywhere, they're everywhere. In, in the show they are the solution yeah, um, yeah alan kyburn had the ability somehow to upgrade like very quickly upgrade uh and get them on boats they're and so big and i wonder huge. about the physics of the boats like is there you not think it would be action, top heavy or, or an action reaction like right, that right, right. the giant bolt goes does the ship, ship have to go back I don't yeah know. It's, I don't know. A, it's all madness to me and i don't know how he's aiming and because he he's sitting in the chair right he's sitting in this chair aiming well aiming well yeah. well enough to hit a dragon three times and it, there's no way it's just him shooting that there must have been the other two arrows come from two other boats like that was my assumption it has to be has to be but if it all if it is euron shooting those three shots then it's completely implausible uh but like he's sitting in this chair and he's pointing like yeah take me right take take right. me left and like there's no way that they would know when to stop oh it's just right like, exactly it just doesn't make any sense the physics of that whole thing and like the the actual like it doesn't make it doesn't make it would make more sense for him to have like a hand crank yeah, for exactly. him to turn the chair. I don't know. And if you're gonna make giant crossbows, make a hand crank. Make a hand like, crank. Like like it seems to me like it's not yeah. a big step yeah. for Kyber. There needs to, to be a little bit more engineering bit. for it, the the person shooting the boat. Uh, right, Kyber's brought someone back to life, and we right. have draw bridges. We can probably right. have a crank. <laughs> we can have right? a crank. Yeah. We can do that. <laughs> uh, so my last prediction yeah. has nothing to do with the actual last two episodes. Yeah. It's this: I think that uh, we're gonna see at least one more book in this series. I don't know whether we're going to see both. Mm-hmm. Uh, Martin's not young and there's a lot of writing to do and he writes slowly. But to some great extent, I believe that that book has been held up after they got off book. Right. I think that that thing may have been finished during the past year and a half. He's just been sitting on it waiting and for Because the if he published it now, it would be in uh, conflict plot-wise with right. what's happening. Right. And that conflict would hurt the book and the show. 
it doesn't help either one. Do you think there was an NDA signed somewhere? I would imagine like, somewhere George along the can't way. publish until the show is well, done. And you think about this, it could be an NDA. Mm-hmm. It could also be um, the up. publishing company oh, yeah. saying, we're going to hold this because oh, right, it's right, going right. to be confusion and we're going to get a big boost because everyone's going to want Game of Thrones stuff and the new uh, yeah. prequel doesn't come out for a while. I already started the rereading the here's first the book. book. Yeah, here, here is the thing that you, you want to see the real story. Mm-hmm. That's a playable as opposed yeah. to you can't say that against the show. Right. That damages you, the show. But you can say it afterwards right. and you can gain. So that we may see one, we may see two. I don't know. Well, let's hope he finishes. Um, I, hope, I, I hope for two. Yeah. I, do, I do. But if he finishes one, we probably get through the Night King. Mm-hmm. And that would be a satisfactory conclusion right. to the story. And so for me, that's what I think is going to happen. I think we're going to see that there. I agree. Um, I, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to come out in like a month after after this show's done where the pre-sales will come out so they can right. get the numbers up right, right? like right. whatever it may be yeah so it'll be a good summer for reading then for i guess sure cool um, all right i think good we're chat. done good yeah, chat well good. let's uh let's close it out uh we'll just wing it i guess yeah, let's this just is do the it. second time closing it out so let's see if we can do it right uh thank you guys for watching the racking focus podcast episode two slash bonus material uh we would love for you to support us on patreon and get at us on twitter and instagram you can find us on twitter at podfocus and on Instagram at Racking Focus Podcast. Uh, yeah, you should also email us if you want us to see a particular movie. Um, we we need suggestions. Tonight could have been Detective Pikachu, which we avoided. So <laughs> we, we did this instead. Uh, so if you want to do that, you can contact us at rackingfocuspod at gmail.com. Please follow us on Twitter. Please communicate with us across the board. You can visit us on Facebook as well. Uh, if you want to go to Facebook, you can read a uh, blog post I wrote about the way that uh, the episode 8.3 may have saved the film industry because of it being so dark. Uh, so there's lots more to hear from us, and we're glad you're listening. Uh, we are actually going to see John Wick 3 next week. It was supposed to be this week. It's going to be next week. So uh, if you haven't watched John Wick 1 and 2, go watch those. And uh, we are going to have a little break in between recording next week. We would love for you to tweet at us your thoughts for John Wick 3. So if you see John Wick 3 on opening or the second night, uh, tweet to us or email us. Give us some content we can respond to as we sit in our second focus point uh, on Sunday after we've seen the show and had a conversation. Yep. As always, thank you guys for watching Racking Focus Podcast or listening to Racking Focus Podcast. You can find us on YouTube and wherever podcasts are available. And we will catch you guys next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Racking Focus Podcast.